0: Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to mikeyop.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us and it's free. That's m i k e y o p p.com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim and you're listening to Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. With me this week is one of my oldest friends in the whole world, Grant Louts. Grant, welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. And actually, I didn't ask you before the podcast. Is it okay to use your full name? Uh, yeah, go right ahead. All right, cool. Um, Grant, I always start by asking people like a really basic question, which is, uh, how old are you? Where did you grow up? And then what generation do you think you belong to?
1: Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I am currently 39 years old. I think three or four months shy of turning 40 um i am living in the san francisco area actually right next to sfo uh and working in san francisco downtown what generation do i consider myself a part of um i remember we were on the tail end of generation x but and then millennial came after but uh there was kind of a a gap in between um i'm gonna go gen x Because the older I get, the more I am inclined to look down upon those younger than me, those those damn millennials, Uh, even though I'm probably more culturally similar to a millennial just from the use of technology from a relatively young age and how much it's been a part of my life.
0: Cool. So that's just kind of to get you situated with the audience so they can kind of understand who you might be and where you're coming from. Uh, but, but the real, uh, nitty gritty point of this is to really dissect your own philosophy live. So I just ask you questions, you answer them as we go. There's no right or wrong answers. Um, but the very first question I want to ask is what do you think happens to you when you die? Oh
1: man. Uh, do, what do I think or what do I want?
0: They're very different questions. You can answer both, but let's start with think.
1: What do I think? I I honestly, if I had to like put my coin down on one and this is my bet, um, I think absolutely nothing. I think my consciousness as I know it uh, ceases to exist um, and I become nothing, uh, just like I was for the billions of years before I was born.
0: Well, uh, that's a weird way to phrase it. And so before you existed, was there a thing that was supposed to exist as you? Is that what you're saying? Or are you...
1: No, no, just my 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 existence winked in, and it will wink out, and that is that's the long and short of it. I mean, it's it's there's so many people. I mean, even right now, it's what eight billion people is is current uh, world population. That's just living. So it's like to think that my existence has any deeper meaning is a nice thought. But again, the, the question is, what do I think will happen? What do I think happens? You know, I wink in, I wink out. I'm a, I'm a little blip on a very vast and complex universe. And I am feel lucky to be a part of that.
0: Awesome. And we're going to get to your other part, the one much later, because I want to dissect a few things you just said. So the first thing I want to ask you is the winking in and winking out. I love that phrasing. It's great. Uh, to me, it just jumps to mind of like, are you talking about consciousness, like the actual awareness of self? Is that the winking? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that's kind of the like recursive uh, uh, act of thinking about oneself that creates that. So, yeah.
0: So in your view of the world, when the body ceases to exist, that thing also ceases to exist, correct?
1: Yes. Whatever the consciousness that, uh it coalesced to be called grant over the course of my lifetime ceases to exist in all forms whatsoever
0: so let's get into the the word body and mind and then consciousness and if you want to put mind and consciousness together please do i'm not trying to make you make a third separation but do you even separate like this mind from the body let's just start there
1: do i separate mind from body um I mean, it's all a whole, um, but I consider consciousness to be—consciousness the and mind to be synonymous, and then the body is just a vehicle.
0: So do you believe there's any possibility that science will invent a way to splice the body from the mind?
1: That I love that that question. Um, yeah, like can you put a helmet on and suck out someone's consciousness and then put it in a robot or a chicken or or robot chicken? Um, it's hard to, to 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 imagine how that would be. I mean, beyond kind of the fantasy imagination, more of the like if you start to dissect how that would work logistically, it's really really hard. Uh, to imagine that because your body, your mind is so interconnected with the body. Um, But I mean, it is, if you can define the mind as literally just a series of impulses and reactions that, you know, everything is kind of binary. Okay. In, in, in fantastical realms, yes, I can imagine it in practical realms, not in the foreseeable future.
0: Okay, and then let's take it a step further. What do you think happens every night when you dream, when you go to sleep?
1: Um, what what is my what is my mind doing during that time? Um, it, it's it's uh, there's so many times that you know you wake up from a dream, you can't remember the details, but you can remember the feelings. And I've I've had to work backward from there. Like I wake up and I'm all panic. And I have to, like, reconstruct, okay, why am I panicked? Um, and it can, you know, kind of can remember bits and pieces from the dream. I do feel the dream is just a extension of what you fell asleep with or what you're feeling at that time. And it's just kind of an unstructured, you know, your body's feeling this from the day and all the things you've gone through. And now you don't have the construct of, oh, there's the building I'm in and the bed I'm in. So your body can just make up whatever. So that's why you get this like mishmash of memories and things that aren't quite right. But, you know, your body has in, or your mind has in, in storage to kind of build that dream. So it's, yeah, just, just your, your mind playing out the emotions
0: of the day. Okay. That's a good answer. Um, have you ever had a dream that seemed to last, temporarily speaking, like longer or shorter than it was possible?
1: Yes, but not to the degree of the Next Generation episode where Picard went into a dream and then lived a lifetime and then woke up and realized it was only an hour later. But he had the, where did that flute come from? Um, so no, never never to that extent. But I mean, yeah, like, like longer than, it felt like maybe like a day or two at max.
0: So how do you explain, uh, and I'm going somewhere with all of this, I promise. How do you explain that, like stretching and expansion of the perception of time? Like, what does that mean to you?
1: Well, I mean, it's not just dreams of the, the expansion and, and, you know, shrinking and, and stretching of time, you know, the whole, like, you know, when you're nervous about something or like anticipating time seems to go forever or, you know, time flies when you're, you're having fun. Um, I mean time it's so like not to be like so obvious about it but it it's so relative um so like yeah to to me that dilation doesn't strike me as so out of the ordinary because it is just oh this was like you know let's see a dream a lot of time you have like an important moment will happen uh in your life or you know something that is like oh wow this thing is happening right now and so it's it makes sense that that would kind of stretch out like your mind's almost like putting extra bandwidth into recording what's going on at that time.
0: So you think your mind controls the functional perception of time? Uh, yeah,
1: actually, now that you put it, I mean, I've never really thought about it the way, but when in putting that all together, yeah, that, that makes logistical sense. I mean, really, cause just uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's evol- evolutionary advantageous if your mind can give you like extra reaction time, you know, think like, um, and I get the name of the game wrong, uh, Hardcore Henry, where you can do the like the slow, like the bullet time and like slow down, you know, that kind of thing. So it, 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 it is absolutely advantageous to be able to stretch and slow time and probably conversely, if there's long, boring times to, you know, find ways to make that time seems like it's not uh, not as long.
0: So when do you think this is like the weirdest question i've ever asked any human i'm actually like very sure i've never even thought of this question until just now when did your mind start noticing time was it in when you were a fetus was it when you were like a day old was it when you were five Mm, that is so
1: good i remember being young and and the concept of like oh we can't do that yeah we have to wait 10 minutes for that to happen or we have to wait 15 minutes for that to happen I remember that being so 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 long um but probably the first time I had to conceive time just one of those like I want a cookie you'll get a cookie in five minutes and then having to like go like okay how many is five minutes and then you're sitting there watching and the second's going and you're like oh my god this is gonna take forever um that's probably the first concept I I I can think of uh you know when I came online so to speak
0: yeah so no that's great and I'm trying to there's like a third question I wanted to ask a while ago so it might seem a little out of the way but I think you'll understand why I'm asking it have you ever had an out-of-body experience
1: I can't
0: say that I have no okay and that includes dreaming
1: um oh like one of those like I'm looking down at myself kind of things. well that would be
0: an option sure i mean i'm not i'm literally just asking so i just wanted to make sure
1: you know like there's i'm racking my brain and i really want to but i just can't think of anything like i can think of things where like oh maybe it's it's i'm perceiving myself in a degree of 3rd personness, uh but never yeah when i think of out-of-body experience yeah it's like floating above the bed and it's like haha look at the top of my head and that kind of that kind of thing so
0: so what do you think in general? Cause you're very open-minded. I, I mean, I know you very well. The audience can probably tell by 10, 11, 12 minutes into the podcast that you are open-minded. Um, but because you are so open-minded, like what do you think about when you hear about near death experiences, people who claim to have like in the hospital, they actually pronounce them dead on, you know, DOA or whatever, no pulse. And then they come back to life, which isn't, you know, doctors like, yeah, well, whatever that happened. And then they say, Oh, I saw this white light or, you know, whatever they say. What do you think about those?
1: Near-death experiences, yeah. That's a tough one because I
0: think my opinion,
1: I I mean, it's one of those things where I've heard bits and pieces but never actually commit myself to, like, analyzing that question, and I think my opinion is tainted by uh, the knowledge of DMT.
0: Why don't you tell us about that? What's the knowledge of DMT?
1: Uh, sure. To to my knowledge, and and I'm sure you or someone else can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, DMT is or is a derivative of the chemical that is released in your brain when you die. And to my memory, it's supposed to kind of aid that death process to kind of like shut you off and and keep you calm while things shut down. And that DMT is, you know, kind of an artificial way to go through that, that end of life process. Now, what the advantages of that, I don't know. I don't, I mean, at that point in your life, any evolutionary use is, you know, probably gone. You know, if you're like old or, um, you know, about to die, like what's, what's the purpose of having that be calm? Why, why wouldn't you just thrash or whatever? Um, so. I don't know why there would be that kind of experience, and why that would make you, you know, see a light and
0: everything like that. But well, you've said like many times, bio and bioevolutionary and evolutionary, and I think that's a real key to like what I'm hearing about your philosophy. So what I'm hearing from you is so far, you're while you probably wish it weren't the case because you said what you want versus what you think. Uh, when you die, that's it, lights out, you wink out, as you said, and then you also said you wink in. We talked a little bit about DMT. Which, uh, yeah, just to like back up what you said, my recollection of what I've learned about is that both at birth and death, it actually is produced. Um, and then now, now we're talking about the final part of what I want to get to with your philosophy, which is, so does any of this matter? Is there, is there a point to any of this?
1: Um, and, and when you say this, do you mean life or do you mean just like a...
0: I mean life because you, you talked about evolution, which which seems to have like a goal or like a getting better, you know, like we have DMT, we have this. Like, is there a design to all that?
1: My my, my answer to that is probably the same as what do I think it is versus what do I want it to be? Um, and honestly, what do I think it is? Um, I, I think it is a, a beautiful complex chaotic yet stable enough to coalesce into a universe experience that we are just one small crazy part of um and we're just at one quarter of the universe in a little speck uh just as there are many other crazy unlikely things going on at many other places throughout this uh impossible to fathom a la- uh, large universe
0: okay so That was a great, great answer. Uh, What I want to know, based on what you just said, is, so do you think maybe there's other forms of consciousness?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Like,
1: as in, like, other alien life? Yeah, almost certainly.
0: Um, But But with a different form of consciousness, like ours is winks in, winks out with our life form. Do you think it's possible that there's consciousness that isn't linked to a life form or just any other weird thing?
1: Oh, man. And this is one of those things, that, again, I'm so corrupted by like watching tons and tons of Star Trek because um, I think about the shapeshifter species from Star Trek East Space Nine uh, that the uh, uh, security officer Odo was part of. And that was a more having your consciousness be part of a whole and it would coalesce into an individual for a while and then rejoin the whole and, you know, in a, a continual kind of like 4d existence. Um, so yeah, so in that sense, like, yeah, I can definitely imagine there'd be other forms of consciousness. It's, it's hard to imagine is obviously we're, you know, our own 3d selves. So, uh, you know, what it is, is probably a little bit beyond my capability to understand, but I would, I would I would be very disappointed if not just given the, the sheer size of the universe.
0: Cool. So with what you just said, um, my next question would be kind of getting back to the realm of Earth now. Uh, Here we are on Earth. You're a human. I'm a human. we got lots of humans, lots of problems. Um, What do you feel about morality? Is there like a real morality? Is there a real right and wrong, good and bad?
1: Mm, No. I mean, there's probably enough that you can make a rough definition, but the edges are probably pretty fuzzy. I mean, it's all like a selfish thing. Like, you know, it's like when I think of being moral, I think of just getting along with my fellow human and, and even from a selfish perspective, if I want my neighbor to be doing well and other people around me to be doing well, cause then they're not going to bug me and they can go out doing their thing and be happy and I can do my thing and, you know, we can all get along. So, um. From that standpoint, I mean, it's it's yeah, that's the morality of if you do things that do not uh, promote that kind of societal living, you know, it's probably there's going to be some consequence, either it's going to be, you know, a, a repercussion or, you know, people will drive you out. So, yeah, I mean, I do think there is and that kind of assumes that the the end goal is kind of like comfort you know like you just want to get through this life without having any immediate wants that you can explore you know whatever you want outside of that
0: so but you but you definitely don't think and i'm just confirming you definitely don't think that there's like an inherent actual ethical or moral imperative with like human beings or animals or anything like that
1: i mean absolute's a tough word but i i, I would say there's there's general guidelines i mean i would say killing is pretty generally and, um but
0: but do you think like it's a like do you f- okay you've never killed anyone I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb here um sure but i'm sure you've done something before that you're like you didn't you knew it was wrong at the time you did it which is different from doing something wrong and being told it was wrong sure um did you feel bad those times while you did the thing while i'm getting um not enough to not do it explain that to me you don't have to give an example, but just explain no, that. No, sure, sure, sure.
1: Um, yeah, like I knew it was wrong, but I still wanted to do it, and so I did it. And I, I don't think there was any, like, discussion in my head. It was just more like, well, I mean, I must have been, been thinking that the consequences weren't so bad. And in this particular case, it was pretty, pretty minor, like nothing that's going to get me thrown in jail. Um, but uh, y- yeah, I mean, it probably just flashes them ahead, but at the, at the moment, it's more about, yeah, s- sating whatever emotion you're feeling at that time. And that emotion, you know, the, the, the desire for drugs, sex, you know, that kind of thing where the, the, the sudden urge. So, yeah.
0: So your morality is based twofold than it sounds. One is on creating a mutually respectful situation that lessens the threat of death to you. That's the first answers you gave. And then the second one is you also don't, you kind of, like, just look at the consequences within the human realm. So, like, death would be one consequence, but then, like, also just, like, legal consequences, losing freedom, incarceration. Um, Wow, this is fascinating. I've known you, like, most of my entire life, and I knew a lot about you, but I didn't really know how straightforwardly... um, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, you're, well, straightforward you are. Like you really have this like locked in system, and it all checks out. And and yet you're very open minded, and you're willing to believe in the possibility of things. So, I'm trying to figure out like what how people's overall philosophy of death affects the way they live. And I and I am understanding that from you, but maybe you could actually tell me like how would you and say that your philosophy?
1: How philosophy of death affects the way I live?
0: Well, I mean, again, and I
1: think that comes back to the what i think versus what i want because there's no possible way to be a hundred percent sure of what is there after death why not just pick the one that you like the most and that that works the most for you so if i had to choose one and my favorite one is something and like is in the form of reincarnation um g- generally the idea that you know, life is short, um, which I think the older you get, the more you kind of come to realize just how short a lifetime is, um, and that it is impossible to learn everything, do everything, see anything in one lifetime, Um, and that, you know, some people are going to be born at a different level than other people, There's, there's inherent inequality, and so the thing that you can be universally strived for is improvement. So no matter how low you are or high you are, if you lived a life where you improved from beginning to end, then that is a life well lived. And that next time around, you can learn a little bit more and a little bit more. And so it also kind of takes some of the pressure off. You know, what if you just had a bum rap in life? You know, you you got super into heroin or you like lost, you know, a couple limbs or, you know, just something happened that just legitimately reduces your quality of life through this philosophy. It's like, well, that's a bummer, but hey, you're going to make the best with what you got. And then next time around, maybe you'll get something different and we'll try again and, you know, vice versa. Like when things are going good, you can appreciate it knowing, hey, it's probably not going to always be this good. So uh, that I think is how I like to live my life. Um, But that's, I mean, it just kind of works for me because it gives me something to strive for but also allows me to be flawed, um, which I am. Um, so it's it's a nice middle ground that just, no matter how bad things are, I, as long as I can improve, that's a worthwhile investment of my time and energy.
0: Awesome, well, we're running up on time, but I do have two very important questions to ask you. The first one is directly in relation to what you just said, which is, has that ever been tested? Have you ever been tested with something that you were, it was going to break you. So you, you went to that reincarnation philosophy.
1: Um, yeah. Um, with a family member who has had some, some troubles in their life where, you know, maybe I'm thinking that they might not have as fulfilling a life, uh, because they, you know, have such a serious setback and they they've, they've made strides, but still may never get to a level of success, for lack of a better word. Um, so in that sense, you know, I've definitely kind of thought about that of, of this would, you know, it's kind of a, a nice thing that no matter how bad things get, as long as you can get better, then there's something worth worth fighting for.
0: So, Grant, I want to say how beautiful that was because I know you so well and you're such a close friend of mine. The The time where you use philosophy is to, to help you with other people. That's just so compassionate of you. I just want to let you know. That's incredible.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, so much of this is, you know, if you would have asked – we would have had this interview five years ago. My answers would have been completely different. So I think a lot of this is just like the culmination of like going, you know, exploring different lines of thought and – going down different paths. And, and at this current moment in time, this is kind of where I'm at. And I'm sure in five years, my answer will be different or nuanced or, you know? Um, so yeah, but.
0: I definitely agree with you. And, uh, my final question I'd ask everyone is, um, I learned a lot today. I learned so many different things from you. One of the things I learned was to think about how maybe I should apply my philosophy to other people. So that's just straight off the bat. But is there something that you learned about yourself today?
1: Um, had I learned something today? Um, no, not really. Uh, but I have enjoyed the conversation, and I have enjoyed. Uh, I think this is a very worthwhile conversation. And I think you should have it with a lot of people. And I think uh, we don't talk about death very much. And and I had some This American Life episodes. It really changed my mind on that. But I, I think it's yeah, it's something that that people do need to kind of think about because it is worthwhile. Because it is the answering that question okay, if we die, then like, what do we care about while we're here?
0: Awesome. Dude, that was a great answer, and I appreciate the honesty, and I appreciate the entire interview. I want to thank you again, Grant Louts, for coming on Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living. Thanks for putting another nail in the coffin. My name is Mike Oppenheim, and we'll see you all soon.
1: Hey, thanks so much.
0: Walking alone Walking alone When I hear this song And I'm walking alone